0: Okay, good morning. Uh, my name is Amy Talbot, one of the um, senior team here, and I love it. This 10th birthday coming up is very exciting for us. We've done 10 years alongside so many of you here, learning to be family and learning to be friends with Holy Spirit and learning to follow Jesus. So thank you for the trust it's involved in putting your spiritual discipling and leadership trust in a group of people who just have loaves and fishes that's all we have it's all I've got to offer this morning I'm coming up here with my loaves and fishes and Jesus is gonna show off Um, and I'm excited for what he has to share so how many of you enjoyed English at school the subject 50 going down to 45 you enjoyed it Sarah because you were in my class (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 13 years ago next week, you were my little year 9 student when I started teaching. And Amy Monroe, you're 11. Welcome back, Amy, after a big season of health. Yeah. <laughs> Last time you saw Amy, she had her father's kidney inside. Now she has her mother's kidney inside. And she lived through it, and we're just so proud of you. Yeah. She's been with us a long time, faithful one. Um, So English, the topic of English. Um, How many of you are learning that as you read the word or go forward with the Lord, he's also quite mystical, uses lots of, um, with the spirit, he's using a lot of metaphors. There's a lot of similes in the Bible. It's a great text to use in English, but there's actually a lot of little codes and there's a lot of things that mean things. How many of you loved studying similes and metaphors and things that meant things? Some of us. For some of us, that's a bit tricky, and I invite you to jump. As much as it is for me to enjoy the gym, you can enjoy the mysteries in the Word when they come down to metaphors and similes. Parables, things you have to get underneath and use effort and wisdom and interview Jesus on what he meant. Today I'm leaping a little bit in the mystical and I'm leading out with things I think he's saying that have deeper meaning and he's using symbolism, so I'm not going to go, okay, let's work through the story of Matthew, I'm going to go, Jesus woke me and uh, gave me a dream. So I was chatting with Rory and Cassie, they're camping this weekend, I was chatting with them on Thursday and Cassie said to me, have you had a dream coming into 2020? It's like, oh, well... Actually I haven't told anyone about the one I had. I didn't know if it was for me or if it was corporate. How many of you are learning to steward your dreams? (laughs) Yeah, you don't know if it's for you, you don't know if it's for your region, you don't know if it's for Paradox Church, you don't know if it's for the bride uh, on a whole. I encourage you to steward your dreams. Try even with one eye open and the other one trying to find the coffee, try to put it in your phone, try to put it in a notebook next to your bed. I remember, I think it was even last year, year before, jesus said to rachel you've stopped you're not writing your dreams you're not stewarding them and she felt this deep repentance like uh oh will He stop talking to me if i don't honor the gift and steward the gift write the matter down so um and then i encourage you to ask people talk to people in your life hub or your prayer team when you come along to prayer if you if you do talk to them about your dreams God speaking in the night and in the day so she said that to me and i was like i actually haven't told anybody about this one And on the 12th of January, I had a dream so specific. I know the difference between you had too many vegetables. Just wanted to change it from something (laughs) sinful to, not that I'm doing that right now. But you, I know the difference and most of my dreams, I feel it's just me organising my life in the night and coming to the next day fresh, but I know when it's different. So I wrote it down and she asked me, well, what was it? And I said, oh, it was a specific dream that I woke up but horrified and I felt rebuked. And hence I was like, is that for me? So I've taken a few days to process. And it was that I'm not ready for marriage. That's the dream. I know some of you are like, oh, it is for you. You're single. God's telling you, you, know, you got a bit of weight to lose, and got to work on your character. And I woke up going, "Oh, I'm not ready for marriage." And and um, as it's kept going, it's like, "No, no, no, sweetheart. I'm talking to you about the bride. I'm talking to you about the body. I'm talking to you about the church." And so I want to unpack the dream because there was lots of different bits to it. And then I'm going to speak a bit today from Matthew 25. And let's see what the Lord's doing. I brought this to Rachel and Brad. We met on Friday. We went through it. And they feel this is a corporate word. I shared it with Cassie and Rory. The next morning, Rory said, interestingly, in my reading through Matthew, I've just opened Matthew 25, the story of the 10 virgins and waiting for the bridegroom to come. And he said, your dream is corporate. I really feel it. And so I'm going to tell you the dream. So, not prepared for marriage. It was evening, symbolism number one. And I was in a room like a house or a hotel. It felt like I was sort of near a little, not a dressing table, like a little office station in the corner and there was a landline. I know I'm getting old, probably why it was in my dream, but there was a landline and I was trying to use it. It was evening, I was in a room and I just found out my wedding was the next day. So it's evening, my wedding's at lunchtime the next day and I've just found out this is the dream. I had a bridesmaid with me, one to the left, and she was snarky, like sucks to be you. We're gonna look into what bridesmaid represents. It's sucks to be you and ugh, and isn't that tough? She was on my left. She was not helpful. She had not done her job. Number three, I had three bookings I was frantically trying to make for, for the early morning of the next day so I could get these bookings before my wedding. I needed a tan. I needed makeup and I need my hair done. This was my priority. You're not ready for your wedding, tan, makeup, hair. Girls, are you with me? Girls, are you with me? No Bondi cream stuff in my bag. So I'm on the phone and I'm going, I'm trying trying to make these bookings so I'm ready for my wedding. So what that represents is I'm trying to fix this, the fact that I'm unprepared. The person who's supposed to help me prepare has not. I'm not prepared. Tan, makeup, hair, preparation for the event. I was alarmed that I was not ready. The bride was not ready. I had no snow clothes for the honeymoon, which would start tomorrow, which would be in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, where it's snowing at at the moment. I was wondering if I could borrow these from someone, so I had nothing for the next season. I had no snow clothes. And then the groom appeared. Not at the wedding, it's still the evening. And I saw him for the first time, And I went, oh, I don't really like him. (laughs) (laughs) I actually feel that in, in in his essence, in his spirit, he's rather weak and small. So in the essence of who he was, I was like, I get to marry you. And then we spent a little bit of time together, and across the dream, I noticed that his essence, who he was, grew huge. Inside, he grew in stature. And suddenly there was a bigness to him, and then he held me, and I liked the way he held me, and I chose him. But the Jesus I thought was Jesus was the first one, and then he changed, and I chose the second one. So that was about the groom. I liked the way he hugged me, and I liked the way he held me. And then I woke up alarmed, and I went, the bride is not ready. So we are gently and bravely bringing this message today for us to sift together because we're doing this let's look at this corporately this is not a hey you we think (laughs) this is can we open a conversation we've opened a few prophetic conversations along this journey haven't we what was last year what was one of the ones that came up last year especially at the beginning of the year a lot to do with an altar that came up in some dreams that came up in some visions that came up in some prayer sets. And he was really inviting us for some months to yield and put all of our life and all of our heart on the altar. So we go through different seasons where he's opening conversations and we feel that there's no end point to what I'm sharing today because the purpose is an introduction. He's opening something and it has to do with being prepared. It's an invitation and I feel he'll give us what every little bit looks like in being prepared and what that means. But I feel it's like a There's not a lot of time. What does it look like to be prepared? Is this how you live? Are we going there? So you're right if we get into this a little bit. Can we look into the symbolism together? So the book that we endorse the most uh, looks like this. It's a big fatty. over 3,000 metaphors of visions and dreams. It's called The Divinity Code to Understanding Your Dreams and Visions by Adam F. Thompson and Adrian Beale. Patricia King also has a endorsement right on the front here. I know they came to Perth a few years ago. Some of you might have gone to that. We didn't get to that. They prophetic as well as they minister. But we really trust this. Every single definition is backed up by some scriptures. We feel sound. The beginning of the book is actually an explanation on dreams: how to listen to your dreams, how to interpret dreams. So it's actually a lot of. Uh, discipleship about dreams in the beginning. The back is also names, numbers, things like that. And um, you can get it on Kindle. You can get it on your iPhone. I just have mine on my phone. And if I'm thinking or I have a vision in worship or um, there's a dream, you can actually in the search button at the top when you're inside that book just write the word you're looking for like groom and it points out all the times groom is used in the book and takes you to the actual where it's given a definition as well, and then you can test it and sift it. So I'm just letting you know this was the tool that we believe is good and used. What does evening mean? Evening, evening has a prophetic meaning. It's when Christ is gone before he comes. Doesn't that match the dream? He was coming the next day. The next day is the is the wedding. Jesus is coming back. That's what this wedding is representing. Jesus is coming back. Evening means the departure and absence of Christ, and then the coming back in. I would like to introduce you to a book that Rachel reminded me of this week. Rachel's got my copy. It's a different cover, the first one. It's by John Sanford from America with Elijah House, and it's the last one he wrote before he passed away. He even had help with some of the scribing. My version has his signature in it, and um, Rochelle and Barry brought it over just as he passed away two years ago. Uh, this is another one that Sarah Compton just gave in America, but it's knowing the customs and culture of his time. So the chapters are about um, like salt covenants and marriages and all the ways that that culture lived at the time Jesus was walking the earth. And if you know some of this stuff, it helps you, there's other ways to learn this, don't have to use this book, it helps you interpret some of the parables he was saying and some of the ways he was describing things has to do with culture at the time and things that they did at that time. So this really helps understand more why he was unpacking that parable, why he was saying that. And it says loving Jesus more. So understanding Jesus, knowing why he said the things he did. So in this chapter there's a whole chapter on marriages and weddings, and I just want to share a couple of things with you that had to do with the culture of the time, so that we explain a little bit of my dream and a little bit of Matthew 25 of what I'm about to go into. Is that all right? So earlier, with the patriarchs back in time, there didn't seem to be complete marriage like customs earlier in the Bible that that we can really tell or even at the time, so it looked like, like with Jacob, it looked like taking, you know, Leah into the tent, that was like a marriage act and it was part of that culture. We get more down to sort of Ruth, Boaz and a few more customs started coming into place, you know, um, when Boaz is talking to the first, king, you know, Kingsman Redeemer and can I have her and he, the guy takes off his sandal. If you want to make an agreement with me outside about anything, please don't take off your sand or pass it to me. But it's amazing, that's what the men did then. They would sit together, they would discuss things, and if they passed something over, they would give him a shoe. And I'm glad times have moved on. Then, around the time of Jesus, there were some definite culture things in play, especially with the, the Hebrew, Hebrew people, the Jewish people. And they had weddings that involved not one ceremony, but two. So... The two ceremonies, which I'll get into in a minute, the first one is the legal part, where you're now married, and then it would take over a year until they actually had another ceremony where they were allowed to consummate that marriage. So they were married and didn't touch each other until a second thing had happened later on. Isn't that interesting? So like Jesus coming, and then like Jesus returning. Okay, so there's two parts to a marriage in his time when he walked the earth. Um at that time when it was arranged that a man was to be married his bride would be brought to the guest of a relative or friend in the man's village so usually the bride would come to sort of where the man was that is if she did not already live nearby on the day of the wedding ceremony the first ceremony the husband would send four soldiers of his family each carried a spear and a red cloth Arriving where the bride awaited, they impaled the cloth at its corners on their spears, forming forming a banner. So, the cloth is up in the air and there's spears on the four corners. Everyone tracking with me? I always lose concentration if someone's just reading to me. I'm like, I need to read it or I'm gone. So, let's try. Okay, so... Um, Each carried a spear and one red cloth, so arriving where the bride, they impaled the cloth, I said that, forming a banner under which she stepped to be escorted to the groom's home. So much symbolism. When the bride stepped under the banner, she came under the husband's protection, so it's symbolism of that. All knew they dare not attack her, his family would protect and avenge her honor. The husband's men then escorted her safely to the wedding, so then they would go to the wedding, which wasn't at her house. Today, Jewish couples being married still stand under a cloth impaled on four spears, called the hooper, is that how you say it? You might still see that, we've got other versions of that now with a thing over and the material, whatever, but the, the, the Jewish stand under that hoopah and it has to do with this um, ceremony. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we come under his cover of love, so that symbolism is still there. Coming under the banner meant also a surrender to the authority of the husband, Beautiful symbolism of the marriage. So, with the wedding custom, by the time Jesus appeared on earth, many wedding customs had evolved. So, let's see where it had got to by the time he's using parables about weddings. Very important. The wedding ceremony had three distinct parts. First was the ketubah, which was the time the parents got together and arranged the marriage. Have any of you had that happen for you? Some cultures still have it that the parents arranged the marriage. We grew up in Africa. My parents were 35 years missionaries there. We grew up in Botswana, then Zimbabwe, South Africa. My dad has even been involved, as he was one of the pastors there amongst the local pastors, to come and help and be some of the elders that got together to organize a wedding. One of his best friends, who lost his wife many years ago, Elizabeth, when she passed, um, Israel, is getting remarried, I think, next month or something. But my dad was part, he was the uncle that went to the woman my dad, w- and are you okay with this? And, you know, it's still part of cultures around the earth. It's maybe something we don't understand, but to let you know, it was usually organized by the family. Isn't that interesting? Do you want that to happen again? How many of you chose for yourself? <laughs> Where would we be if your parents organized it for you? Same place? Different place. Okay, so when the financial and other questions were settled, a date for the, here's the two things. The one was called the Erison. Can everyone say erison? Erison was the first ceremony. That's the legal side. We went to the erison ceremony. The erison ceremony lasted 10 days. So the legal transactions would happen on day one and then for 10 days, how many of you remember 20, Matthew 25? Anyone who'd come to that door is not allowed in if they came late. Hence the five virgins who had run out of oil, couldn't get in. Once you'd got to the beginning of that ceremony, no one left and no one came in and you were locked inside for a 10-day party. In those 10 days, the woman had usually never met the man before in her life. Like my dream, who the hang am I marrying tomorrow? That was the reality. She had a gown on and she had a veil on so he could not see her but she could see him. And then they, they were, she would be brought to him, and she would sit on a mat. You want to start your wedding ceremony by sitting on a mat. So she sat on a mat in her gown, and the guy who she's never met before dances in front of her. How's that for the first time the woman has ever seen you? I will be known by the way I dance. <laughs> Pick up my dress, run out the door, I don't want this one. And he dropped 10 coins in her lap. And these were symbolism of the generations that he'd come from. And she would take a thread and she would put it through each coin, which had a hole prepared in it, it, and she would bind them together. And she would put this on as a headpiece for the 10 days. Luke 15, the woman was frantically looking for her coin. One of them, I found out. That's why frantically looking for the coin, you hang it after your wedding, no one touches it, the kids can't get to it. It's like a sign of divorce when you're putting your coins off that thing. So she lost her coin. That's why it was so important. It's not because she was so poor that the five cent piece is gonna get her Macca's chip. (laughs) It's this is one of my wedding coins from a 10 day tradition. And then across those 10 days, she would, amongst company, begin to learn her lover. So she would get to know him across. It was built as time to get to know each other before they went on to the next season. And then after those 10 days, bye-bye, he leaves her. That was nice. See you later. And in the time after, which usually took over a year, she would pray into that marriage. She would pray into the consummation. She would pray into the coming back of Jesus. She would pray into the coming of her king. And what did he do? what Jesus said when he left i am going to prepare a house for you in my father's house with as many mansions it would take as long as he built her house and he came back after he built her a house a mansion jesus really is coming back for his bride and he's gone to build a mansion that's what he said he's going to do and then he left leaving us with holy spirit not abandoning us never completely leaving leaving but do you see some of the metaphor tying in isn't that interesting? I was interested. How many of you want to wear coins around your head on your wedding? Isn't that cute? So, then, with that context that you're aware of, let's listen again. So then Jesus told a parable that doesn't make sense. Well, it does, but it would never have happened in that time no bridesmaid would ever come without her flask of oil so he's telling a parable because that's all those uh, so there's always 10 bridesmaids for the 10 days and she has one each day that actually is next to her for that day see my dream I had one so in the 10 days of the wedding feast she has a different one each day and they're her 10 virgin brides so then Jesus knowing this culture speaks to us this is what he says Um, in the parable five brought no oil with them this is Matthew 25 and their lamps flickered out the wise did not have any extra to lend because all their oil had been poured into the cup the foolish virgins had to go and buy more oil late at night they returned too late and the door was shut remember the door is shut for the 10-day ceremony oil so they're bringing oil to a wedding why what's the oil for So they come, it's like a torch that's the size of their forearm. They bring these torches as bridesmaids all the way and there's a cup attached to the end of it. Did you know that? Ten virgins with their ten little torches and their ten cups. And they would then go and then they would pour their oil into that cup and add the wick and they had light. And they were, okay, the word has different connotations now, but they were escorts is how the Jewish term it. They were escorts for the bride. They were escorting her to her lover. Wait till you hear what bridesmaids mean. Do da, do da. When he's actually telling this parable, he's talking to it as if w- w- we are. And remember, we read this going, "Oh, I must have me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning." Yeah, because H- we're supposed to read it for us. Let's not be sleeping. Let's be awake. Yeah. So we are bridesmaids, not just the bride. Do da do. So. But what is oil the symbol of when we read scripture? It's not just literal like they didn't have a torch and so we stood in the dark for the wedding. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So this parable is also about something else and it actually goes deeper. It's are you falling asleep when you're to watch for your, the, gu- the groom to come? And have you got extra even of Holy Spirit? Have you got enough of Holy Spirit? Have you got extra of Holy Spirit? Are you prepared for this? This parable, in light of what I just told you, is between the two wedding feasts, because they're waiting for him to come, ret- return. Have we got oil when we're waiting for the Jesus to come back? How's our Holy Spirit going while Jesus is building your house? Is he your friend? Have we slowly developed this habit of waking in the morning going, good morning, Holy Spirit? Like, do we think of him as an essence that helps us do things? Maybe an essence that helps us live a holy life or something we feel sometimes when his presence at church? Or is he your friend? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. What does the friendship with the Holy Spirit look like? Do you chat to him? Or is it something that Some of us, maybe if we have like a ministry idol, it's always about ministry. We use him when we minister, and he gladly does. But when we're not ministering, how's our friendship with Holy Spirit? Do we interview him about what he's up to? Do we listen? How's our sensor inside? I remember Rachel very impacted by this book and then me after. This book is even called Good Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. I encourage you to get onto it. Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Rachel read it, tried it. She was on the floor for an hour, slaughtered in the Holy Spirit. He just met her in her room. But good morning, Holy Spirit. So I'm habitually, when I wake in the morning, not out of religion, but with a soft heart. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Morning, Jesus. Morning, God. That's what I do every morning. How's your friendship with them? Are they with you? Do you know that? Are you pursuing this? Another one I've loved and borrowed off you long time ago and never gave back, but I've been lending it out. I just got it back from someone. Is Intimacy with the Holy Spirit by John Bevere. It's a two-disc, two DVDs. One's on, you know, the Holy Spirit is here, who Jesus left behind, and the other one is on intimacy with him. Intimacy with Holy Spirit. How does that make you feel if you could actually have, like, closeness and intimacy and friendship with Holy Spirit? This is a really good, passionate teaching by John Bevere, and I encourage you to get onto that. The oil... Is, is the Holy Spirit in your cup? Are you feeling a bit dry when it comes to Holy Spirit? Because the bridegroom's coming and the groom's coming, sorry. And the groom said, yeah, he said, he even woke me in the night. Is there oil? Where's my oil? Where's my oil in this church? Where's my oil at home? How are we going? Anyone feeling condemned? It's not me. It's not coming from me. I don't condemn you. I'm really fine. This is exciting. When he spoke strongly like this dream to me, when he spoke to the, to the Pharisees, Luke 15, the three parables, and you lost this, and you lost this, and you lost this, it always is so that they would hear and repent, and change. It's not so that they would be condemned. So just know, this is an exciting, empowering message he's asking us. So oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We are to walk at all times by the light of the Holy Spirit. Our cup, our life, is to be always full with the Holy Spirit. In this parable, Jesus is warning that there will be those who will foolishly insult the master by rejecting the Holy Spirit, trying to run in their own fleshly power. I'm going to live by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible, and then do everything in my power This is an invitation to live by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to live in His power, thinking there's enough wick to last. It won't work, and by the time they find enough oil, they'll be shut out. So, none can go in and out of that party. Sometimes we think we can do as we please for as long as we please and then choose to accept the Lord when it's convenient for us. How's that going? We are being invited to consider that we are the foolish versions if we think we can operate in our own power for as long as we want to and then come to God. So, on the first night, the bride sat on the mat, I explained. He dropped 10 silver coins, I explained. She did the thread through the 10 things, I explained. There are 10 days of the Erison ceremony. Remember, there's one bridesmaid for each day. Then he leaves all of us male or female have become the bride of Christ we live basking in his love and his constant unwavering love care and transforming unto his likeness the date for him to return is not known to the husband it's not known to the husband the date he'll return when he leaves her after the first ceremony is not known only the father knows of course it will not be until after he has completed a construction so, when Jesus went to heaven, it's what he said when, we, when he left. Not even the Lord himself knows. But that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. And then Jesus is like, Are you prepared? Are you prepared? The bride uses that time when her husband is away to pray and meditate, as I said, pray and meditate and to live wholesomely. So, that's just a bit of context. And it was evening. And I think this dream meant I was between ceremonies. So I'm already saved. The legal part has happened. I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you have done that, if you've received him as completely Lord of your life, you have done the first ceremony, the legal part. But he said, I'm coming back, and I'm coming back for a bride. And he's coming back for that consummation, that intimacy, that one, one with him. How are we going? So in this dream, it was evening, which meant Christ has gone. So I'm between dreams. Then I had a bridesmaid, a bridesmaid. <laughs> that came up during the week. Did I have a bridesmaid or a bridesmaid? Bridesmaid means getting others ready to meet Christ. We are the ten virgins. And our role, if we have done the first ceremony ourselves, is to help others have their first ceremony and be prepared for the second ceremony. You've been called to be one of those bridesmaids which involves preparing others for Christ, leading them to the Lord, discipling them. So you are a bridesmaid. And the whole church is a bride. But your role is a bridesmaid. Getting others ready to meet Christ. And in particular, if you step into some leadership, you are definitely a bridesmaid. Do we as leaders prepare others for the bride in my dream the bride was snarky and sucks to be you and she detested the bride the bridesmaid was snarky and she detested the bride and i feel jesus is saying to me there's some of us who are christians who are bridesmaids and we don't like the body of christ we do not like the bride so there's some division this might only be like for two people here but i'm just going to go into all the bits of symbolism because he said so so i'm leaping and we're listening together and the bridesmaid doesn't like the bride. And the bridesmaid was a bridesmaid. It was pride that she was battling. It was pride that she wasn't ready because, yeah, hate that church institution. I'm a Christian, but I hate the church. That was the bridesmaid. Have you heard that before? That's because people's hearts have been broken. That's because maybe people have been used. That's because maybe there's been some spiritual abuse. That's because maybe dot, 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 That's because maybe the bridesmaids haven't dealt with their hearts in response. That's because they haven't learnt to retrust Jesus and give their heart back to the body of Christ. Are there some bridesmaids here who detest the bride? And are like, I'm here, but I'm not putting both feet in because I don't like church as an institute. Leadership as a thing. Leadership's wounded me, I'm going to judge it the rest of my life and keep my heart separate. It's division, the bride and the bridesmaid are supposed to be on the same side. In this one, the bride had not helped me, bridesmaid, and that meant the bride was not ready. Do you know how serious it is? If we don't love the church, she will not be ready. That's the impact of our cynicism, of our judgmentalism, and our refusal to retrust the church. The bride will not be prepared if we don't deal with our injuries that we have had from the church and from some spiritual leaders. This is an invitation, please deal with it. Please put both your feet back in now. It's enough because the bride needs preparing and it's your job. It's your job to have a heart for the church, not just this one, but the Church of Australia, and to step in and go, I'm gonna be part of reforming the bride, which is what this vision of this church is. It's the reformation of the bride, it's the cleansing of the bride, so that when she steps into that place to marry him, she is spotless. At the moment, she's not spotless, and it's not like, <laughs> I see you, church, I see you, bride, you have spots all over you. Yes, come and take them off. It's the made job to get involved in the church and to clean her, not to mock her because she's not safe. Is all of your heart for the bride? Now, as the bride, which you also are, you're also the bride, I was trying to get my tan, my makeup, my hair. I was trying, and some of those words can mean prophetically trying to impress. I didn't have much time left, so I'm going to try and impress Jesus and self-glory. So if she's not prepared, it's going to be a whole lot of self-glory and trying to impress. Have you been to a church that's trying to impress? They need some bridesmaids. <laughs> come on in, leaders. Come and clean. So she's trying to impress, and there's self-glory if she's not prepared. Let's get her early. Let's get the bride early. I was focused on what I didn't have. I didn't have snow clothes. I was unprepared for the season. If we are the bride, which you are, the bride also um, has to do with the church, and it means spotless and ready for Christ. Whoa, we just talked about the fact this bride was not ready. But the definition as bride is that she's supposed to live in a state of being ready. That means state of spotless. Is the bride spotless? If you had to look at us right now, are we spotless? Let's get to work, bridesmaids. I want to see you men in dresses, pink fluffy ones. Let's get to work, bridesmaids. (laughs) I did have a visual. It was quite cute. So if we are the bride, then we are like... Esther, and Esther always asked who of how to get prepared, she asked the eunuch, and metaphorically the eunuch represents Holy Spirit, we've got a eunuch, we've got Holy Spirit, and she was preparing herself, how did she prepare herself, there's one question, what does the king like, Is the state of our heart constantly in our preparing for Jesus' return, what does the king like? Do we live a lifestyle of what does the king like? Have you ever come across someone you know what they like and they don't like? I'll give you an age group, two. Two or three. Do you like this broccoli? Can I talk about Toby? So I've had him at my house. I was feeding him things that I don't know, I don't usually feed him. So I'm trying this with him and I feed him some of my food. I'm chewing, yuck, this tastes like socks. (laughs) Like if a three-year-old wants to use a simile, you are my nephew. Yeah, this tastes like socks, he told me, and we had to make a different plan. They really know at that age what they like and don't like. Some of us, when we're growing older, we do, some of us are learning. When you have what does the king want, he actually replies, he says... Yuck, that tastes like socks when we watch something that's dirty on TV. And yuck, that tastes like socks when we're listening to something while we're driving that's not wholesome. When we talk, when we swear in a sentence with someone, have you got that thing on the inside that goes, Yuck, that tastes like socks. That's how Holy Spirit works. You actually live learning to, if your heart's soft, I'm going to talk about that for a second, can we go there? If our heart is hard, so Rachel told me during the week that if we are someone who listens, then our our hearts have to be soft if we're listening. So I've pondered on that. And I've gone, yeah, because I guess when we don't listen, we have denial. Denial is a heart hardener. And denial is justifying why we watch that, justifying why we listen to that, and why we drink that, and why we eat that. Well, I worked hard today, so I deserve this beer. I made this amount of money today, so I deserve to not help my wife with the dishes. <laughs> I'm tired. I I deserve that. I, that was difficult. I deserve that piece of clothing. And, and, I, and we can justify, justify, justify. I've had some confrontation from my leadership telling me I live with a bit of justification in my language, so I'm facing my sin. Justification means we choose sentences that make it okay that we are purchasing. Rachel was like, So just letting you know, we do feedback, like we encourage you all to do. She's like, you can justify an item for someone else. Never mind yourself. (laughs) They'll buy it for themselves. And uh, if you're shopping with them, you're so full of justification. And she was right. So um, we justify why we'll eat something, justify why we're gonna go out somewhere, justify why we're gonna watch something. um, And another way is we minimize it. Oh, it's just soft porn. Uh, It's because my partner, my my married partner, isn't giving me what I need right now so God would understand. It's just this that I'm listening to or watching. So that's called minimization. It's another denial. It's justification, minimization, blame. While she's all bitter, so I'm going to do this. And we enter into sin because that person and because the church and because my sister and because my mother, I will do the sinful behavior and then we don't feel bad about it we don't know it tastes like socks. Blame is another form of denial. So we enter into denial and denial hardens our heart and the scripture says do not harden your heart like the season of the wilderness, doesn't it? When we're in hard times, this is not to anyone here. This was because Rachel encouraged me to speak on this this week without talking about anybody when it came to listening. When we, um, when we harden our heart, we can't hear yuck, it tastes like socks. So then we can binge on Netflix all day long and get through every program and none of them feel disgusting to us because we've hardened our heart. We can binge on bitterness. We can binge on anything, jealousy. We can binge on anything when our heart is hardened. So... If we want to listen to Holy Spirit and He goes, yuck, that tastes like socks, He's asking us to have oil, which means we've got to have that little check, check. Another reason is we maybe haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and we haven't, you know, come into salvation and so on. But th- really, you can have Holy Spirit to the point where I can, I'm not, I'm learning, but I can be mid conversation and I'm apologizing in the inside for the way I said a word because He goes, mm. or I t- said something about something out, someone else, mm. I dropped an S H I T word. Mm. And I don't necessarily say anything out loud, but I live repenting on the inside because he goes, yuck, that tastes like socks. So if we can binge watch things that are full of gossip and drama and people are now out of bed with each other and this isn't flipping on the inside and going, I don't like that, there's something wrong with our heart because Holy Spirit doesn't like it and he goes, yuck, that tastes like socks. I have loved, in my rest season last year, there's a particular show I did love called Oh my gosh, the president, Desi- see, my friends know I had an issue. So um, I watched Designated Survivor season one, loved it. You know why? Because this wasn't spinning. It's about a healthy marriage, healthy family, and someone who's standing up for moral values. So I loved it. But it was action and, you know, the, this new president who has to step in when the whole capital gets blown up in America and all the people in cabinet get obliterated and killed. So he now becomes president. So it's a bit of drama and death and carnage. And, um, and then this man of honor is not believed in and they don't want him to be president, but it's his way of showing himself by standing by moral values. S- oh, season one. Duk. Oh, I love season two. Duk. Over time, over time, over time. Season three, first show. The president's dropping S this and F this. I'm like, <gasps> the writer has changed of the show. Because Holy Spirit's like, mm, tastes like socks. And then the people working for him, in the, the person who does media and the person, the people you get to know, now they're in bed with them and you get, to, you get to see a bit of it. And then these two men are in bed over here and you get to see some of that. And I'm watching and I'm going, they changed the writer! And I haven't been able to watch season three because, yuck, it tastes like socks. You should be able to sense immediately if something's not wholesome, if you're soft, if you're in relationship, if your cup is full of oil. So he's asking, "Is your cup full of oil? Is there holiness in the bride? Is she spotless? If not, bridesmaids, come on, let's do this." It means leaders who are helping clean the bride. How are we going? So I was alarmed that I was not ready. It's a time up.
1: No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a shepherds crook. I just it's it's such uh i just want to add to that point because it's so valuable you know amy's she even used a bunch of examples there and in us we can have that response that oh so you're saying i can't watch netflix or you're saying i can't listen to this are you saying it's like and so that's that, that's a religious response to what you assume is a religious position that's saying you, this you no know, so now okay so now there's a line and oh, okay i've got to do that so no no we're talking about the Holy Spirit and responding to the Holy Spirit and so then if so if you heard any of that and said so, well you're saying I can't listen to this music now or I'm supposed to do this now Oh, now you, you, that's in you <laughs> it's not in Amy or in the in what she shared but what is helpful sometimes when someone draws a line for you and says uh, and you and you think about uh, well I guess I, I am watching that show and it's not bothering me oh it must be the holy spirit doesn't mind for me so well then it's the same holy spirit the question then you ask is okay lord has my heart gone hard okay why am i not yeah because i'm i am i'm listening to this music this new album that came out to sing but it kind of talks about some horrific stuff but you know it's okay and whatever and so I'm, but someone's drawn a line to go now i can ask the question to say is my heart soft holy spirit because if it's not bothering me, maybe it should be bothering me because it's bothering you. Uh, so again, I don't want anyone to walk away from, oh, okay, oh great, now i got to this and go to that. No, no, no. What we want is for you to say, Holy Spirit, soften my heart. Like I feel, I'm, I'm convicted because I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm not, because I'm just not thinking about it and I'm not being aware in those, some of those decisions and choices and things that, that I do in my life to say, yeah, I want to I know when something tastes like socks to Holy Spirit that's what it is I love you know Bill Johnson talks about you know when the Holy Spirit uh, came upon Jesus like a dove but he said imagine if you had a dove sitting on your shoulder uh, I think this is in his book when heaven invades earth and you wanted that dove to stay there you'd probably walk and behave differently because you'd be so aware of the dove you're like oh, I do not want to I'll just be I'll I'll be aware of the dove and I'm not going to jump and scatter and yell and scream because the dove is going to you know fly away Uh, and as a metaphor to say wow when i know the presence of the holy spirit and it is so beautiful and wonderful and amazing i don't want to live in a way that would cause him to yeah and and my awareness of his presence to be withdrawn um so it is it's it's an invitation into repentance and to awareness and to be asking holy spirit if my heart is hard hard then soften my heart Uh, in the prayer room on on wednesday that was my prayer. i was just saying um melt my heart with your holy fire holy spirit melt my heart with your holy fire because i want to have a soft heart that weeps and is convicted and because that's a blessing the conviction of the holy spirit is a blessing repentance is a blessing to you it's not a crushing it's an invitation into the fullness of life so it's this is such a good word amy
0: thank you thank you jesus you speak to us in our dreams He's so tender that he would come to us and have time to do something about this. I was going to actually read through Matthew 25 with you. I've got it on the screen. But there's two things that stood out to me when the story of the ten virgins is why were five of them unprepared? Because they had nodded off and fallen asleep. And they didn't have enough oil. Last year, a theme came up quite strong for our community. The men talked about it at the men's night. We've got a bunch more books for you, and it's called A Slumbering Spirit. And we were talking a lot last year about being a bit asleep, and in the prayer room, we were going after that. So here's another dream I had from last year, probably another one that was also me because I'm bride. Yes, I'm speaking to myself today, but this was another one. In my dream, I'm shocked because I didn't realize I was sleepwalking. This is last week, last year. And I was like, I didn't know that I was sleepwalking. And I was in a house and I was lost. And I knew my bedroom was down there. And I knew Rachel and I were sharing a twin bedroom down there. And there was a hallway to me. And I was shocked that I woke up over here. I'm not where I should be because I've been walking asleep. And Rachel came out of the bedroom and she went through an office. And out that side, and came to me, office of the prophet. And she walked up to me and she went, oh, that one's a big one. And she blasted it quite fierce language at this demon and it left and I woke up deliverance in a dream and I went I think that one's corporate too we don't know we're asleep if we're asleep did you know that so then if we talk about spiritual we're a bit sleepy we're a bit apathetic we've fallen asleep waiting for Jesus to come back because church is just normal and it's every Sunday how how are we falling asleep it's because we're bored does Jesus excite you Are you hungry, like hungry for him? Do you think about him during the day? One thing I was learning this last year is if I choose to fast, Rachel taught me this, she's been really spoken into my life spiritually. She taught me, even if you fast and the only thing you pray is to fast to be hungry. Fast to be hungry, not have to fast to do something, You know, it'll be religious and you'll be bored and you'll battle. But that's all I'm doing now when I fast and I fast on the same day I come to prayer. So whatever your prayer day is that you come to the prayer room, I fast that day the whole day till the next day, not that we're supposed to tell each other when we fast, but I'm telling you an idea and I pray for hunger. Do you live with hunger for Jesus? Are you hungry for your bridegroom to return or is it like, but I'm just living a Christian life and we do this and we Sundays is definitely got to keep it for church and I have a life hub and I'm going through the, the cycles of life. Like, come on, you already know the answer on the inside. Say yes or no to yourself. Are you hungry for Jesus? Yes or no? No, I'm not talking about here. Listen inside. Do you live with hunger for Jesus? Something's wrong. If not, do we live with hunger for Holy Spirit? Do we have that oil? Remember, Jesus, in my dream, was not ultimately desirous to me he appeared in his essence small and weak and I felt like Jesus was saying to me some of us have made Jesus as a man to us he came as a man but he did that so that he could identify with us in our suffering and he gets us and and he died for us so that our sins would be forgiven but is he still just a man for some of us or is he God If some of us really knew Jesus was Superman, we wouldn't live with fear. If we live with fear, we don't have trust. We don't have trust that Jesus really is Superman. We have made Jesus small and weak. And some of us are not excited about him every day because he's little. I'm going to say this again. Some of us are not excited about him every day because he's actually quite small to us. Oh, I have to be in control of my life in this way and I have to make sure this happens and I need to make sure I have enough money and I, because I, Jesus is weak and little. Some of us have actually projected our experiences of men on earth. So maybe you're a woman, maybe you don't like men, maybe you've judged men, maybe men are weak. That means Jesus has gotten into that little package. If we lived completely knowing we're secure, do you live with a deep level of security if you do, Jesus is Superman to you. He's the second Jesus that I came to know in the dream. Oh, you're that big and you hold me. He's all five love languages. <laughs> he really likes touch. Um, you're that big. You're that capable. Like he, he, His essence was big and I was, I was weak and little. If you don't live secure and you've got to keep things going, you don't know. Jesus is Superman. I've said this to a friend, not from this church. She was journeying through something and f- f- fearful and taking control of situations. And I was like, ah, your dad got sick when you were late teens and you lost him, but he's still alive, but he got meningitis and then he got bipolar and you lost him really. He's still been here for 10 years, but he's not been here. And I was seeing this. Yeah, you don't know that your daddy is Superman. You don't know Jesus is Superman. She's living according to this man who used to help me as weak. And she's controlling her life. I'm like, did you know Jesus is a superman? She went, no. Like, he, what happens when you run out of money? What happens when you don't feel safe? What happens when you're alone in a social situation? Do you have deep security? If not, your Jesus is little. And Jesus gave me this dream to go. Some people think I'm little and weak, and they have to be strong for me because men are weak or I am weak. Or He's really that big. And he wanted to just remind us today, He's the second picture. Is this okay? So, the virgins fell asleep and at the end of Matthew 25, no, not the end, chapter, verse 13, it gives an answer to the virgin problem. What does he say? That came out weird. He gives an answer to their problem with oil. (laughs) Woo! Um, It said they need to watch. Look up the the definition of watch and it says, look and listen. Listen. That's how we stay awake for our Jesus. That's how we watch. That's how we keep our oil going. As we're watching, we're listening. We're staying connected to Holy Spirit, the oil. We're watching, we're listening. That tastes like socks. Guess what unplanned means in prophetic things, metaphors. It's so good. It was the longest list out of all of them. The whole dream was, I'm I'm, I'm unprepared. I'm unplanned for this. Guess what unplanned means? Jesus is telling us some secrets. Number one, it means prayerlessness. unprepared means prayerlessness, the dream. You're unprepared for marriage to me. So let's flip this list I'm about to tell you into the positive because if we are prepared, then we have these character traits. Does this make sense? Can I flip the list for us so it's not all like, stop telling me how bad I am. So it says prayerlessness, which means if we're a prepared bride, we are prayer, what's the opposite little English class? prayerful, we are prayerful, day, night, prayer room, when we're talking to someone, when we're driving, we're full of prayer, we've been on to this this last year, let's up this people if we want to be a prepared bride, it means there's some falling into temptation, how are we going with having one foot in the world and one foot in the church and maybe some justification about it, it's called denial which means you have the door open to deception which means you can be deceived and demonized. Denial is deception, open door, demon. It's a really dangerous way to go. Put your foot back in, 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 in the, the Christ thing. So it means not willing to pay the price, unpreparedness. The price of the call of what does the king like? There's a price that comes with, like Esther, but what does the king like? It's a cost. It means your flesh has to die. My prayers, do you want to know what I'm praying this year at home? Kill me. That's my 2020 prayer. Because I have strong flesh. I'm realizing more and more I have such strong flesh when it comes to things I want to choose. And I'm going, oh, well, I don't want my flesh to be strong. I want to yield and bow and cost. Right down to the tiny thing, to that 20-minute walk, to not buying that, to eating that green smoothie, to tithing to giving, to extending our table and letting someone else come for dinner who, who doesn't have family, to loving the other person in the house, to doing the dishes when I don't want to do them, to choosing other-centeredness, sp- other to choosing to meet new people on a Sunday. Anything that burns means your flesh was there. Hello, let's live burning. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. I think some of us try to live not burning. It's like our goal is let's do comfort. Oh, there it is sin there it is oh there's more comfort I'm at church I don't have to greet anyone new because that's someone else's responsibility to be family sin there it is boop boop there it is it's called comfort which is flesh doesn't mean there's like shoulds on all of us and we should be doing that that's religion and it's not coming out of my mouth but I mean anything that's like oh I'd have to cost myself hey guess what choose that because it means you'll die which means you'll come to resurrection life more, which means you'll become more like Jesus. It's the only way through. It's the only way through to become more like Jesus is to die. I invite you to pray more. So even as I'm trying to get into things I'm wanting that are obedient to Christ, there's so many. I printed off, there's such a long list. I've never studied the list of Jesus's commandments and he's asking us to obey every single one of them and there's a whole dang lot of commandments. Is dang Okay tastes like socks, it just went off, (laughs) 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 and so, um, so, (laughs) sorry, Jesus, I lost my place, there's so many commandments, are we really obeying, or are we knowing, oh, that's a sweet commandment, are we living, like, cost, cost, burn, burn, love the other person, sacrificial, lay down, burn, 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 We talk about inner healing a lot here. I help sort of lead some of those classes. We've got a beautiful team growing here. I don't know if we're going to always keep the word inner healing because the focus isn't inner healing. It's sanctification and transformation. That is inner healing because it takes healing. Healing's part of it. But the goal of being a Christian who's alive is sanctification and transformation. It's him burning you and killing you and transforming you unto his likeness. We're all going to become more and more like him if we keep dying well. So the quicker we learn to die well, the better. But that's cost, not I want to be comfortable. I think that was a little rant, but we're coming back. The next thing of unprepared scripturally is need for fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. The bride is unprepared equals she needs a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it last week on the 12th of January that we need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. How does that sit with you? Do you love Holy Spirit? Are you uncomfortable with Holy Spirit? Are you afraid of Holy Spirit? Is he too powerful? You know what would make me really sad? Is if we need someone like Ryan Estrange to bring Holy Spirit back. Is if we need to bring in prophets to get fire going here. Hello, our own oil. Are we gonna wait till that conference for fire to fall? That's terrible. That's a virgin who's gone, I'm going to sleep here in paradox though someone comes with their own oil and splashes it on my head and wakes me up. <laughs> oh, there's the leaders again talking about Holy Spirit and praise and getting there and dancing. I'm just going to go back to sleep. When Ryan the Strange comes, I'll get a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and Jesus is like, have you got oil in your cup? Where's your oil? Paradox. Are you swimming in it and he just comes to add to it in February? Can we, how are we going? Some of us uncomfortable? Some of us dying? Bit of dying? I can see smoke. (laughs) It also means not praying in the Holy Spirit. If we're an unprepared bride, he's saying we're not praying. That was point number one. Point number seven ish is we're not praying in the Holy Spirit. Why is there a difference? What does it mean? What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Because he said we are unprepared, which means we are not praying in the Holy Spirit. What is it to pray in the Holy Spirit? Your neighbors know all about it, Heather. They think that you have a few different... They think you're bilingual. (laughs) Two or three of them. Because you are praying in tongues. I grew up with a father always praying in tongues in the shower and walking down corridors praying in tongues. I, I heard it as a background sound. You can normalize it at home. He said, pray in the spirit, not when it's like, oh, that's so awkward. He's like, as a normal thing, I just heard it. Oh, he's preparing, because that's what it's saying here. Praying in the spirit means you're prepared. So that means it's part of being prepared. Are you prepared when you come to prayer sets? Pray in the Holy Spirit all the way before you come, walk in prepared. Are you prepared when you come on Sunday? Pray in the Holy Spirit all the way till you walk in and come prepared. Are you prepared when you're going to a meeting that's hard or you have to go and confront someone or you have to go and make friends again with someone in your life? Hub? I really don't like them. But help me like them. And if you're driving, instead of listening to music where Holy Spirit's like, that tastes like socks, people think you're listening to Eminem. Just have your window up and just. They'll drive past and try and change their radio station to tap into what you're listening to. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Make it normal. Just keep your window up. (laughs) Or they'll think, or just wear some cute little African turban or or something. They'll think you're bilingual, and then they'll think you're cute too. (laughs) I was going to say, and the bride doesn't need to shove on her makeup, so she doesn't need to have to play and be loved. She doesn't need to be, I'm just going to try and look good. She needs to, and if we're not doing that as part of our life, it's called unprepared. Ouch. Not ouch, invitation. He's just burning us a bit today, and we've just got a little bit of death going on. Last one, it means not understanding the sign of the times. So that, to me, is a bit beyond. That, I'm now going, yeah, I need to look into that a bit more, prophetically, and where are we, and signs of the times. Some of this conversation is this. That's what I'm doing. He's saying, time is now bridesmaids, leaders in this group especially, stop judging the bride, put both feet in, let's help wash her. And he's saying to the bride, okay, but a spot's everywhere, not ready for the next season, there's time if you obey, follow my request, come to me, come to me. How's that sounding? You following? So the groom is Jesus. So this week, all I did to activate some of this is I got repenting, it's the first way into anything it softens our heart it opens our heart again and i just spent a lot of time repenting for in any way that i'm unprepared for jesus the list that he gave of what unprepared means that i haven't been praying in the spirit that i have not been a prayerful person that i've not you know i've been doing that and justifying it i'm not listening to the socks thing and just repenting repenting and then a bit of repenting on behalf of the church so i just got into some of that um we need to repent if we've judged the bride and I think some people today still can't trust the bride, and yet you're the, you're the answer. You're part of the answer for the bride if you just choose her again and put both feet back in. And then he's inviting us to be those bridesmaids who watch and listen for the bride room coming, which is tomorrow lunchtime. Not really, but maybe. So I thought we'd just put some music on Listen, do some repenting, do what you want to do in your heart. But Jesus said to me in the worship, but what about my oil? How many of us are dry and our cups have run out and we don't feel like we're living splashing around in that oil? I think today's the day for us to pray for fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And for those who've never had it before, even if you're in leadership here, whatever, just get your pride right out the door and just come up and you go, I've never had it before. I've never had the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I know there's people here who have asked for it for years. Beautiful, faithful. She had to pray for a long time, long, long time. And he's not more important than her. Sometimes he's going after our longing. Do we long for him? Do we want to give up our whole control over to Holy Spirit? So it's not a rejection if you've been coming for this over to Holy Spirit. So it's not a rejection if you've been coming for this over and over and over again. But I would like us to pray for fresh willing, willing, yeah, there's something he's wanting to say. Fresh willingness for an infillingness of the Holy Spirit and that that would remain and that we would have extra all the way to the end. Do we have extra? Do we have extra when it comes to Holy Spirit or is our wick? dry, so if we could just come, we're going to do some repentance, just come, if you're dry or if you want Holy Spirit for the first time or if you want a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're going to spend some time ministering, if you've just gone bless you, I love listening to this, this is not for me or I I just, I'm going to process this differently, we bless you, we have some coffee and tea that's going to start now, and we just really ask that everyone who can just stays behind and gets to know someone they've never chatted to before, even if you've both been here two years. Meet the new person especially. Know that, remember, that you're the family. We're not responsible to to love on people. And and ask them good and open questions and why they're here and just be family to them. Andrew, are you still filming some people in the back room? So Andrew, so remember last week, people, couples, families, or single, he's just wanting a quick interview on a film in that corner room for the 10th birthday for you to just say something that's been a memory about this church that has blessed you. If he hasn't caught you yet and you just want to say a sentence or go with friends and say a sentence, just go straight to that room after. But let's just put on some worship music. Let's take time over this because he's wanting his oil back. And some of us are asleep. And so I'm just being brave and bold and leading out and I'm going to pray for you. And I invite everyone who's part of core team who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and is not coming up for prayer to be freshly filled to come and join, please. And I just ask, if you literally know that your wick is a bit dry, you don't live with that conscious awareness of Holy Spirit, if you need a fresh anointing or if you need them for the first time, now is the time. Just come. I'm gonna lead us in some prayer. Just come. Come, 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 come. If he's t- talked about this, it means he's got the answer. I needed mean, as many prime ministers and leaders as possible. I thought about it, but not this time. Is that okay? Yeah. i we'll to come up with the system. So come right tighter in and then just leave Rose between you. And if there's any ministers who are wanting prayer but feel they can pray till, wait till later, like they're just a little bit wanting prayer, please come and help. Okay, so let's begin. Just in your hearts, I'm going to lead you through some transactions with Jesus. So he just we open the door with repentance. So just open your hands even. Jesus, would you give us the grace for a soft heart? We repent in any ways we've hardened our heart. We repent. I repent on the behalf of my whole heart for hardening as a way to cope, to get through. I can only hear you if it's soft. And soft is scary because then I feel other things too. But I need you in here. Come, oil come Holy Spirit. Some of us have judged the Holy Spirit. Let's just do that. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm afraid of you or I've been hurt by you or I've been left by you. Whatever it is, just listen inside. Listen inside to how you feel about Holy Spirit and just repent for that. Check inside and ask inside how it feels to surrender your will to Holy Spirit. Does it feel scary? You don't know your Jesus is Superman, and Holy Spirit is Superman. He's big. He can do it. He's got you. He really has got you. He holds you. That was the Jesus. That was the true Jesus he held me. He's not away. He's not an abandoner. He has not left you. you. If you feel like you need to surrender your will to Holy Spirit and yield to Holy Spirit, that he can lead And give your life to to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just do that. And repent for walking in control and taking that back. Yeah. So, Jesus, if any of us have, have had justification in our heart when it comes to the way we live and our lifestyle, would you just reveal that to us now and just help us repent of that? Let's just repent, guys. Let's get this denial door closed any justification of any addictions, any false refuges, any being shut down, any bitterness, any judgment. He knows. He really gets why you went to that. He understands your heart. He gets it. But we're repenting of the justification and the minimizing. Let's repent of that. So we repent for blame, for the reason I'm in this situation is someone else. That's blame and it's not a truth. We get ourselves to where we get ourselves and we can get ourselves home. He knows where we are. He comes and fetches us, he's the good shepherd. He knows where you are, but blame is not why you're where you are. So Jesus, we repent of blame and minimization and justification and we own our present state and we renounce denial, and we renounce deception, and every spirit of deception that has been our comfort. And we cut ourselves free from the comfort of denial and justification and minimization. They are not our friend and our comforter. Because Holy Spirit, you're the counselor and you're the comforter. just listen inside Jesus is there anything else you want us to repent of so if some of you have been bridesmaids that don't like the bride let's do some of that just listen inside is there a part of your heart that can't trust the church or has judged the church or whoever represents leadership of a church that'll be, there'll be a lot of pain behind that there'll be a lot of reasons that are so understandable and Jesus he's like I know and it wasn't okay But can you forgive the bride? It's an invitation here, people. We need to be bridesmaids that help and guide our, escort our bride home. Can you forgive her? And can we repent of judging the bride and any people who lead the bride? Just repent the Lord come Jesus would you just come and minister to any pain behind that that makes it hard to say those words Holy Spirit Jesus would you just come like a healing balm of Gilead and just draw out the pain of the betrayal and the broken trust would you just draw it unto yourself as they offer it to you now just release that release the situation and the history to him just give it to him he knows he gets it and there's redemption but just give it to him And ask him for the grace to put both feet in when it comes to the bride. Check inside. Can my whole heart choose the bride? Jesus, help us. The bride in general, not just this church, the bride, the the body, all of us. Can we choose her? Can we choose to connect with her? Can we choose to covenant with the bride? Covenant with each other? And wait for Jesus together, and help each other come clean. Can we choose each other? So, Jesus, as a bride, we repent for where we're unprepared. Any of those areas that was us, Lord, where we're not, we're not, we're not prayerful and in the spirit, and we're in temptation, and um, we're not spotless. Jesus, we just bring that before you, and we just repent, and we ask for resurrection. We need resurrection. We're, we don't know we're asleep. And if any of us have come into agreement with just being asleep because it's the most comfortable place to be in church, Jesus, would you just forgive us? On behalf of our heart, if we don't know we're asleep, we just repent anyway. Can we repent anyway for just being asleep? It's going to take cost to be awake. I tell you, do you want this? It takes cost to be awake. But I tell you, there's life out here. And life is good out here. It's awesome. Choose life. If any small part of your heart is turned from life, then there'll be a slumber and there'll be a death in there. Can your whole heart choose life? It's good out here, guys. Can your whole heart, so on behalf of my whole heart, I choose life. Because life is a gift and the giver is good. Life is a gift and the giver is good. I choose to be awake. I choose to know what's going on in my home. I choose to know what's going on spiritually in my home. I choose to know what's going on spiritually in my home. Men, it's your portion especially. God's got beautiful gifts for you. I choose to know what's going on in the spirit in my home. I choose to see. I choose to listen. I choose to watch. I choose to watch. I choose to watch for Jesus coming. I choose to watch for the bride's development. I choose to listen. I choose to have a soft heart. I choose to grow and to expand my tent and to move with where Jesus is moving. I choose engagement. I choose engagement and a life in my spirit. And Jesus, I just pray any soporific spirit that's over spirits here today where there's a slumbering in the name of Jesus, we cut that and break it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that all slumber lift right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that the bride has your permission to wake up, to wake up, to wake up, to know she's wanted, beautiful, that you're coming back for her, that now is the time to become spotless, to be watching, to be awake. Now is the time to be bright to prepare the bride, to stand up, to fight for her, to go after her, to make sure she enlarges, to grab more people, to become brides, to get on the move. We choose to get on the move. We choose to move, we choose to wake up and not be completely consumed with our own situation. We choose to move beyond our situation and to see and to hear and to see horizons and to know what you're doing regionally and to move beyond the victim mentality and the self focus to get up to wake up to take authority to get on the move we choose to move we choose to to to, to move In the name of Jesus. And Father, I bind the spirit of denial in the name of Jesus. And I ask you like in the book of Jude where you go after the higher powers to go after every higher power of deception and denial in the name of Jesus. And you fight over death in our lives in the name of Jesus. And every other higher power that's in play today, you go after it. You deal with it. You nail it to the cross in the name of Jesus. You release people. We release people in the name of Jesus. And we repent for not hung the Holy Spirit. We repent for judging you. We repent for fearing you. We repent for not being dripping with oil. We repent for not dripping with oil and we ask for you back. We want you back. We want it to be led with dripping oil. We want gatherings to be led with oil and homes to be led with oil and families to be led with oil. We ask for fresh oil. We repent. We choose you. We come back and we ask for your oil. We don't need visitors to bring it. There's oil here. It's your promise. So we offer you our cups and we ask, Lord, as we are those, the the five virgins, Lord, that that missed that door, we ask for you to fill our cups. You died for that. that. And we ask for it right now. And as we come and we pray for people, Jesus, I thank you that you don't deny what they ask for. We thank you that you're here, Holy Spirit. There's still some um, judgment of Holy Spirit and distrust. Jesus, would you help us? I'm asking you now, Jesus, you chose to go and you chose to give us something. You said it would be better. It's better than you that we have Holy Spirit. If it's better, would you help us trust that? It's better that we get left with Holy Spirit. We repent of our judgment. We've, there's control. When there's control, we can't hand over to Holy Spirit. We repent on behalf of our whole heart for living our lives in control. And we, Lord, I ask right now that if anyone's repented, that you would come and just nail the spirit of control, domination, witchcraft, anything in that, Lord. But I would just pray that you would, as they trembling hands, hand over control. Jesus, would you come and hug the hearts behind that? And Jesus, would you take that to the cross and would you break the power of control in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, We can't have control and Holy Spirit. It's yieldedness. It's yieldedness. That's the we say yes. We say yes to being lost in you and surrendered and not knowing what's gonna happen and not knowing how this works and not knowing how you're gonna move this year. But we say yes to being a prepared bride. And we say yes to you, Holy Spirit. And we might have to do this over time and we might have to build on this because Holy Spirit's a bit dry. And this this is the time. We have have time. We're going to get prepared. So yeah, just people ministering. Just go for it. I'm going to go for it. We're going to take as long as we want to and need to. And Holy Spirit is going to lead and we're going to prophesy or we're just going to touch you. And the Lord, may he just do business with you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Rod's also got some oil here. In particular, if you're sick. Brad's got some oil here, but for everyone, we're just going to put oil on your heads. I felt that this morning. That's why I asked, is there any more oil? We're going to do, if you don't mind, just oil on everyone's forehead. And we're just going to minister. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Anoint us so our cup overflows. We We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. I encourage everyone who's praying to up their self-confidence in Jesus. Put your confidence in Jesus and pray with more faith than you've ever prayed before. People praying, up your faith. He's with you. Let's pray in tongues, everyone. Go.